five, six, seven, eight. Hello! We're so excited to welcome a very special guest to this episode of Breaking the Curtain. With us today, we have the talented, wonderful, and beautiful Miss Shalina Kennedy. Hello! Hey! Welcome! Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy to have you here. We are so thrilled. We are huge fans. And yeah, both of the show and of you. So having you in our studio is crazy cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You've been like a dream guest of ours since we started the whole podcast. We <laughs> oh. were like, we have to have her just like at least one time. It would be a dream. Since so. Before we started. Oh, you're yeah. so sweet. Well, thank you. I'm honored. Well, of course, we are here to talk about all of things beautiful, which is the theme of our podcast for the month. And so we thought we would start back at the very beginning. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what the audition process was like and how you got involved with the show. Yes. Well, actually, it's it's quite a complicated story. I'll try to give you sort of the Coles Notes version. But I was um, I was kind of involved, you know, with the audition process for a long time. I was actually doing a gentleman's guide to love and murder, and we were out in uh, California. We're in San Diego, and I got a call to fly. <laughs> take the red eye and fly to New York and do this audition for this Carol King project. And I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. And I read the script and immediately fell in love with it. I remember sitting on my couch in my company housing and just like bawling my eyes out. I thought it was such a beautiful story and such a great message. And I connected immediately with her and with the message of the show. And um, and I, anyway, so I flew in and I auditioned and I didn't get it. And I was so bummed. And I was like, oh, it's okay. I mean, maybe next time. And that was for one of the workshops. Um, and then it wasn't until later. Oh, yeah. So then cut to later on. I'm doing, um, I think I was doing Evangeline at the time in Charlottetown. And they were like, okay, they they didn't go with the girl that they originally had. And so they really want to see you again. And so the produ they said apparently it was like down to one person who wasn't sure about me. And then they watched my tape again. They were like, that's our girl. So they wanted to like fly me down, which is really exciting. And But it was like the final finals, you know, for um, – so I, I'd sent in a bunch of other self-tapes. Self anyway, long story short is it was down to like me and two other girls. And I couldn't go because I was contracted to do this – you know, this other show. And I, I really couldn't leave it, you know, cause I, I was under contract and I, I felt very strongly about doing the show and also about, you know, when you, when you make a contract, I think it's important not to break that. So, um, so it was really tough. I remember having a, you know, a really hard discussion with my agents about, they were like, you've got to go, you got to see what, you know, might happen. And I was like, I know, but even if it did happen for me, it, I couldn't really take it. So it was something that I let go and I was sort of devastated about it because I, you know, I just love the role so much. And what I did, and I never, ever do this. I kept all of my audition sides, you know, like the songs and the scenes from the, from all of the auditions that I'd done, I kept them and I stashed the, right. them away in like this little nook of my, you know, like a, with my other music. And I was like, I hope someday it comes back. And then, you know, it was funny because I, I got pregnant and I, you know, all of this life happened to me, you know, between that audition and that sort of sad, never knowing what might have been moment. And, um, and then, you know, one day uh, my agent took me out for lunch and he's like, okay, okay 
they want you to replace Jesse. And I was like, don't you mess with me if this isn't going to be real. I, I, I already put got my heart involved too many times. And he's like, no, 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 they're really serious. They just need you to put yourself on tape once more. And then you got to like fly down to New York. Anyway, I was almost nine months pregnant. And so I flew down to, because uh, like everyone had basically approved me except for Carol King. So they needed to put me on tape so that she could give me the check mark. And I was super, super pregnant. And they were like, oh gosh, I don't know if this is a good idea. I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Carol had like four kids. She's going to totally see passive pregnancy it's not a big deal so I was uber confident <laughs> they put me on tape and um and then the stress of the flying and you know the audition I ended up getting home and I went into early labor like I literally went into labor when I got off the plane because of just like the whole no the way. excitement around it I think and anyway I didn't know at the time that that's what had happened but I was like oh my gosh my audition sent me into labor <laughs> So anyway, then it stopped and I like, it went about as normal. But anyway, I got this phone call from my agent. So after I flew back, I was back in Stratford and then my agent called me on the Monday morning and I was like, you know, waiting by the phone. I was like, hi. And he's like, oh, hi, honey. It's, it's, it's Bruce. It's, it's not about the audition. And I was like, oh, okay. What, you know, what is it? What do you, what do you need to know? Or, or, or what do you need? And he said, um, well, I want you to, to book me a couple of tickets. And I said, tickets, tickets to what? And he's like, to your opening on Broadway, you got oh the job. And I was like, I started bawling. It was beautiful. And I thought, like, how amazing is this? That, like, you know, <laughs> I get to have this second chance at a role that I fell in love with, you know, all this time later. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't know that Carol King had to, like, approve in the final round. That's amazing. Yeah, well, they all did. I mean, um, wow. you know, uh, Cynthia and Barry and, right. and Jerry, when he was alive as well, they all got to have, you know. True say on who was playing them. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. And that's something you get, you know, when you're, you don't get when you're playing a fictional character, right? It must be so different to take on somebody who was a real person and who is still here uh, with us. Yes. You know, what's that like in the rehearsal room? Well, you know, I have to be honest, it was a, it was a tremendous amount of pressure um, because, you know, I was a huge Carol King fan for you know, most of my life. I don't, I don't even think I realized what a big Carol King fan I was because I didn't realize she'd written that many number one hits. Right. I always thought, like I associated Natural Woman with Aretha Franklin. Like I didn't realize mm-hmm. that she'd written all of those, you know, big hits in the 60s. Um, and so I guess, you know, uh, knowing that she's still very much at the forefront of the imaginations of everybody all over the world, but especially people in America. I mean, she's an icon. So I thought, oh gosh, I like, I really wanted to do her justice. And also following in the footsteps of Jessie Mueller, you know, she won the Tony and she was amazing. I saw her, you know, obviously numerous times and, you know, I just really felt, and then the thing that made it so good is that Carol lived through Jesse. Jesse wasn't trying to do a Saturday Night Live impression of Carol, but she really did make it her own. So I thought, well, that was kind of the the thing that grounded me the most is I realized all I had to do was be my version of Carol and that would be enough. And so I really tried to just be as authentic as possible. And, you know, Carol has a great book. Uh, it's, an, it's an autobiography. It's called a memoir. <laughs> it's called A Natural Woman. Have you read it? It's amazing. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, well, so you'll know what I'm talking about. So in it, she talks, I mean, she talks a lot about her, she had her own insecurities, like she didn't like singing in front of people. And so she would have to find ways of calming herself down and always talked about treating the audience like they were in her living room and talking to them like they were a group of close friends. And so it was that kind of thing that I used when I was in performance because, 
you know, she battled nerves just like anyone else. And she had her own insecurities. Just like, I mean, that's what I love about her is that she's so down to earth and she's such a normal person. And, you know, and I got to meet her a whole bunch of times and chat with her and learn from her. And she's just like the coolest, most gracious person you've ever met. <laughs> it must be like such an incredible moment to not only meet someone who is so iconic, but to be there and be tasked with, you know, sharing her story. I think that's Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also a little complicated too, right? Because there is no real villain of the piece. And I know one of the things that she was always very adamant about was not portraying Jerry Goffin, her husband, as the villain of the show. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're sort of tasked with a big responsibility. You want to portray her life accurately. And, you know, you want to respect all the people who lived those truths, you know, including her children, including like all of the people in the sidelines. Like it's, it's just a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I have a lot of like issues with anxiety and depression. And when I saw the show the first time, I was like, wow, I really feel for Jerry. And, and at first I was like, I don't know if I should, because you go on this whole journey. And then the more I saw the show, I was like, wow, yeah, I really feel for every single character and so much for this this male role as well. And yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting conversation. It's not one that ever really comes up very often because, you know, it's kind of a tricky conversation. Like really what he was doing exactly. was trying to try to find his own freedom at a time when open relationships or those sorts of yeah. things weren't even talked about. Like it was just, he's not a bad guy. He just had a very different idea of how he wanted to live his life. And they both got married so young, yeah. you know, that there's nobody really at fault. It was just a series of sort of like unfortunate patterns and behaviors that resulted in a lot of hurt feelings. But you know, the wonderful thing about Carol is that she's so forgiving. I mean, she and Jerry stayed colleagues and friends right up until his death. I mean, she came backstage, she was wearing his ashes around her neck. I mean, it's just so beautiful. She's, it really inspires me, you know, in my own, like finding space within myself to find more forgiveness, more softness, you know, for myself, for other people. She's a great role model that way. Definitely. That's that's so I keep wanting to say that's so beautiful. But it is. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> you know, is there anything, you know, you're going on this journey, is there anything you learned about her or her life that, you know, you didn't expect, like that really surprised you? Well, um, yeah, well, to be honest, there was a lot that I learned about her that I didn't expect. Um You know, I think for sure the stuff around Jerry and, you know, her own sort of navigation of that marriage, that was, she she taught a lot, lot, uh, she taught me a lot about glass half full and continuing to find the joy in a, in a, you know, what could be a depressing situation. And then, you know, also in her, the relationships that came after Jerry and, you know, the musical doesn't touch this, but the, her memoir does. And she does talk about the physical abuse that she suffered, you know, and, um, and just some of the other issues that she, I mean, honestly, you could write like three more musicals about her life, like the the after beautiful, (laughs) but I think, you know, she was so brave to tell her truth in that way and to be a resource and a sense of strength for other women, um, or for anyone really who was dealing with any kind of, um, abuse. So I, you know, I was really, I was sort of proud of her sisterhood and of her like strength, you know, when it came to people don't often see it as strength, but I certainly did. I think any time that you're brave enough to speak out about what's happened in your life, especially something that you might be ashamed about, um, I think takes a lot of courage. So yeah, I learned a ton about her and about what I thought uh, 
bravery was. I love that. You know, I agree. And I think that's why beautiful, I think, resonates so much with so many people because she is this incredibly strong woman who comes into like, she owns her power. She tells her story and there's something just so, you know, vulnerable about it that touches everyone. Well, that's it. And we're living in such a different era now where we're starting to understand that vulnerability is power, that it is strength. Whereas maybe 50 years ago, we might not have said that. Um, But I think as women come into more power, we're starting to just understand the world in a different way because things are rebalancing. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. They're changing. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Obviously, as we've kind of discussed, it's kind of a heavy show, both, you know, in the character you're playing and then what she goes through over the course of, you know, two and a half hours as an actor, you know, what was kind of like, how did you get ready to do that every night to go through that journey? That is a great question. Actually, it's funny because just today I was sitting outside at a distance and in masks with, um, with uh, one of my role models. She's going to be 86 and she's a a wonderful teacher. She's still a fitness instructor, if you can believe it. She's like amazing. No way. (laughs) She's like a Buddhist. She's a meditation teacher. Anyway, she's, she's also like one of Canada's most fabulous actresses. And, um, anyway, we were talking about this and, and, And I was saying, you know, what made her journey so powerful to me was the joy that she brought to a difficult situation. So because, I mean, at times in my life, I've been a little bit glass half empty, you know, when I've been not feeling so strong. But Carol, especially in the show, she's always got this kind of like, let's keep going, let's keep trying, let's keep giving it a second chance kind of attitude. So it didn't feel, even in the heavy moments, it didn't feel as heavy as maybe it could have if, you know, if she'd had a different perspective. Um, So the things that I would do to prepare is, you know, I would listen to a lot of her early recordings. I'd listen to her like demo album, you know, that she did when she was younger. And I would listen to all of the different kind of like off the beaten path kind of recordings and the live recordings and just really get into the sound and like the texture of like what music was back then. Because I mean, they created music in such a different way back then. It was so much it was just more collaborative, like the way that they recorded it was different. Like at the time that they recorded Tapestry, it was like James Taylor and Joni Mitchell were singing back up for Carol. And then Carol would like run down the street and like play on James's album. And then they would steal like Joni's room. And then she'd be like, get out of my room. I'm using Like it was amazing how they like created music, right? And they were creating a whole sound, a whole generation, right? It wasn't just like my sound and my stardom. It was like, it was about the whole, about the we. And so I, you know, I loved like going back to that memoir and going back to interviews and just trying to like put myself in the shoes of how they would sit and jam together and, and, and try to relive that in my own way. Um, and, you know, and I would do a lot of yoga and I would take walks and I would just try to stay kind of grounded and light. I always think of like doing a long, cause I ended up doing like over 12,000 or 12,000, <laughs> 1200 performances. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's insane. That's so you know, but it is. It's a lot. And it does require a lot of focus and a lot of staying in the moment. And so yoga and meditation would really help me. It's like a practice, like yoga practice. You come to the mat and it's like the same series of postures, but you're a little different every day and you're listening in a different way. So I would try to apply that to the show. That's incredible. It's amazing. And I think it's worth noting, you know, record-breaking run with the amount of shows that you did. (laughs) People listening at home, that amazes me every time I remember it because getting to see you do it, it is, it's so fresh and so honest and you make it seem like it's the first time you've 
ever done it while, you know, it's just, it's very fresh every time. And it's amazing that you can do that. Well, thank you. What was your favorite moment within the show? Oh, um, it would vary, but I used to love that first meeting between her and Jerry. I just thought it was so sweet. It was at the like height of their, you know, innocence and romance and they were just so attracted to each other and and you know she starts off very powerfully with like I'm good at this and I know this and I'm like in not in a jerky way but sort of proving you know that he maybe doesn't know what he's talking about but in like the nicest way possible and that she's pretty great and that she's worth being around so I, I always loved that scene and uh, also it's funny like there's a lot of humor in the show and I think sometimes we forget that um but I think probably my favorite moment was um, when Jerry writes the lyrics to Will You Love Me Tomorrow? And Carol runs downstairs to wake him up and she finds the lyrics on his chest. And she goes and, you know, sings them yeah. for the first time with the <laughs> melody and the chord progression that she wrote. And I would get choked yeah. up almost every single time. Just because the simplicity and the yeah. beauty of those lyrics, I mean, everybody always thought that she wrote them, you know, or that it must have been a woman who wrote those lyrics. And it's just surprising that that man wrote those lyrics. I just think that that's beautiful. And it also shows what a great partnership they had. And he could hear a lyric in what she was playing. And apparently he was completely toned up. I don't know if you, have you heard this story. So, okay. One of the times that Carol came to visit us, we, we had this really amazing chat out in the, in the audience after the show. And she was telling us how Jerry Goffin was tone deaf. And so, but they had this amazing way of collaborating where he would just like, he would hear something in what she was playing and he would be like, Oh, you know, I, I got it, I got it. Um, when this old world starts getting me down, and he would sort of try to like say, but she would do these impressions of him singing, and I was, I, it was amazing. It was told with such love, and she would do the impressions with like, you know, nothing but love in her heart. But she would be like, I got it, I know what it is. When this old world starts getting me down, he'd be like, Yeah, 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 that's it. And so they had this amazing way of you know, of, of collaborating together and, of you know, really, I think they respected each other so much, you know, artistically that, you know, he just, and they worked so well off of each other. I mean, that's the beautiful thing is that they continued to collaborate in that way until he died, basically. Uh, and I, I just, I love that. I love that they continued to work together. Definitely. You mentioned, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, that beginning part is my favorite part of the show as well. And I was oh. talking to my mom the other day. I was saying, you know, something I miss so much about theater and beautiful is my favorite show. Carol's my dream role. But I was saying like, it's that gasp, that collective gasp from the audience when that first note is played. And I'm like, that is what I miss. Mm. That is just, that is musical theater to me. That yeah. collective joy, that love and yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, when that album was part of the fabric of that time period, it's part of the fabric of, you know, North American 
pop culture. Like everybody knows that album. Everybody knows her songs. And so it's like that, ee, which one is it going to be next? You know, everybody gets so excited. And when it's that one, because people have such attachment, you know, like it's amazing the stories I would get to at the stage door. Like I'd come out and somebody would say like, oh gosh, you know, that was the album that I played on the road trip with my girlfriend. And, you know, or this is like the song I played when my marriage ended, or this is a song that my mom and I would listen to. Like it was, everybody's got a very personal experience with that music. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's a big responsibility to carry that and to, and it's also a celebration, right? Cause it's so many people's favorite tunes, you know, mine included. It's like, I get to do this every night. How cool. <laughs> you know, we talk about how the songs are so amazing and it's kind of like when we talk about favorite moments in the show, I feel horrible because mine isn't even a song because the songs are so great. It's that opening speech every oh. single time without fail. I will cry. I took my aunt to see the show the last tour and uh, she didn't know anything, you know, really about it going in. And that monologue started and she just looked at me and she was like, we needed to see this. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) This is just uh, powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Oh, yeah. Do you have um, a pinch me moment? Like looking back on the entire experience, is there a moment that was just so amazing. It was like surreal. I have so many. I can probably give you, I can give you three. <laughs> the, well, the, okay. The first time that Carol came to see the show, cause I, I'd received a message in my inbox from a Carol dash. And I was like, I don't have any friends named Carol. Oh my God, it's Carol. Gage. <laughs> and she's like, dear Miss Kenneth or dear Shalene, I, you know, I hear you great in the show. I'm going to come and see you. Do you want to know when I'm coming or whatever? And I was like, dear Miss King, please do not tell me when you are coming because I will literally fall over from a heart attack. So Anyway, she laughed and she was like, ah, I won't tell you when I'm coming to see us. She's really cool. I'm like, thank you. And and so then, of course, then it became like the let's tease Shalina every time there's a commotion in the audience. Girl King's out there. And so like I would literally have a heart attack every other show. They would love, love, love to tease me about it. Oh, my goodness. And then finally she did come. And, you know, seeing her afterwards, like everybody made such a big production out of it. It was so much fun. Like she came in disguise and she had her wig on with the glasses and, and, you know, the producers met us like in the green room and we're all like, what's going on? And we thought they were going to, I don't know. They were like, we just want to tell you what a great job you're all doing. And we're like, sure. And then they're like, we want you to meet somebody. It's my, you know, I can't remember what he said. I think one of the producers, Mike said, uh, this is my like my my bubby or my grandmother or something, and in walks Carol like in disguise. She's like, "Aha!" I was like, "Oh my god!" And um and it was it was weird because you know she had she sort of addressed everybody, but she didn't make eye contact with me, and I was like, "Uh oh." she hated what I did or she didn't like my before. I don't know. Like I started getting, you know, you get paranoid. We're also sensitive as actors. And then when she had finished addressing everybody, she directed her gaze at me and then she started to cry and she came over and she was so sweet and she had lovely things to say. And we just, basically we held each other for about, I would say a solid minute as she like wept into my shoulder. And it was one of the most beautiful moments. I also meeting her daughter, like both of her daughters, but her, especially her daughter, Louise, you know, because I carry her around in the show and I had a five month old at the time, my own son. And I was also carrying around this like five month old little baby, you know, and I, even though they're not actually like a character in the show, she became so special to me um, that when I met her in real life and she looks so much like Carol and she's so vulnerable and she's a musician too. And I just like, 
I think I got more emotional meeting Louise than I did anybody else. <laughs> and then, you know, and then of course there were the Kennedy Center honors where I got to play Carol and I got to like sing and like perform with Aretha Franklin and James Taylor and Sarah Bareilles and Janelle Monet, like people that I respect tremendously. Um, and, you know, and I got to meet them all and they were so sweet. Like James Taylor was one of the most grounded people and, uh, just amazing. And there was a moment where, you know, we'd all shown up, we were there all day because we were rehearsing. And the only person who didn't come to rehearsal with it was Aretha Franklin. Cause I guess like, you know, she doesn't need to rehearse. <laughs> Such a right. big star. <laughs> so we had, there was a stand in and then everyone was like, Ooh, what's Aretha going to do? So when she got there that night, we were all standing in the wings. We're like, Oh my God, just Aretha Franklin. And then, you know, she did that amazing performance. That was like her last public performance, like fur coat dropped to the floor, like Obama crying. Like it was such an epic moment. And James and I were standing next to each other being like, like we both couldn't believe what was happening. And then I was in such a state that we were going out for the finale of the entire show. And I was like, I didn't remember what was happening. I was like, I don't know where I'm supposed to stand. I don't know when I'm supposed to go. Is it you first? Is it me? Like what's happening? And he was so cool and so gracious. He was like, I don't know. I forget too. So he grabs my hand and we just walked out together. And he was so sweet. He just like put me on stage. He's like, I think you go there. I'm like, I think I'm here. Okay. He just ended up singing the last number. And it was amazing because on the teleprompter, you know, you've got like all the names of everybody and the lines that, you know, that everybody's supposed to sing or say. And it was like, Janelle, Sarah, Aretha, Shalina. And I was like, somebody take a picture of this teleprompter because I lose my mind. <laughs> and then the only other one that I'll say is, oh, what was the other one? Um, oh, it's when Paul McCartney came to see the show. So he started crying during, um, uh, uh, it's too late. And he came, they, they like, they weren't going to come backstage and then they did. And it's so funny. I was just like, he was so warm and so sweet. And I just like went up to him and I just like wrapped my arms around him, which is probably totally not cool. <laughs> not kosher. <laughs> so cool. So cool. But I was just like, I don't know. I just, it was my instinct. So I just went like, you know, and I'm still sort of kind of in character. And I just embraced him and he was the sweetest. His whole family, they were just so lovely. And then afterwards, like, I was like, I just, I just hugged Paul McCartney. I just met Paul McCartney. And then two years later, I went to the Kennedy Center Honors again because I get an invitation to go every year. And Ringo Starr was there, like, like doing one of the... And I was like, how is it that I get to see two Beatles, the two, like two, the two Beatles before I die, like or at all? I mean, even meeting one of them would be a pinch me moment. But the fact that I get to see both of them is like astounding. So anyway, that's the dream. But these are the things, right? Like getting to be on that stage playing that role you know like I got to meet Stevie Nicks like there's so many um Olivia Newton-John came to see the show there's so many amazing people who came in and out of that theater just to see us to visit uh you know the people I got to meet were extraordinary it's amazing the Kennedy Center um that whole thing that had the, like the little scenes right like the little dialogue in between was it yeah that is yes. one of my favorite just musical theater on TV performances ever because it was just so well done like that. I thought it was the sweetest, cutest thing. I love it. <laughs> no, that's sweet. Well, it's funny because like normally in the show too, we do like this crazy quick change from, right. you know, the dress into like schoolgirl and she like youthens all of those years. But <laughs> for the Kennedy Center honors, it was like way harder than it ever, like because we had to do a full wig change, shoe right. change, like all of this stuff and in less time. 
So they were like, okay, you're going to have like most of the rehearsal was spent trying to just get me changed and not panicking. And, you know, and I went with like the best dressers that there are. Like they were all incredible, but they were all like hiding there. Go, go, go. It was like so intense, (laughs) but I did it. (laughs) But it was crazy. It was was pretty stressful. (laughs) And watching it, like you'd never know that was going on behind the scenes. Like we come on, you're like, hey, you know, no problem. And then I'm narrating the next part. (laughs) When we post the episode, we'll have to add the link to that performance. Definitely. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Also, there's a really cool link to called um, uh, Quick Changes That Will Astound the Eye that I think might be like, it might be like playbill.com, I think. Okay. Am I right? Anyway, check that out too. Because there's also like, you get to see that quick change oh, yes. in live time backstage. I love that stuff. So check it out. It's super fun. Definitely like that. <laughs> Yeah. Those things always amaze me. I always love that. Like even now, like, you know, right. Being in the business all this many years, like I remember going backstage with my son to see Aladdin. I was like, Ooh, show me how the magic works. It's like so exciting just to see like no matter how many times you've seen a show or like been in the, you know, how many years you've been in the business, seeing how they do things always, always amazes me. Like the stagecraft, the wizardry behind all of that stuff is really astonishing. Well, and some of the ones that, you know, you think are so complicated and some of the most magical ones are the easiest. Like there's a couple in our show like in beautiful that everyone was like like it got applause you know and it was literally just like a very simple thing but the Mm. effect is is really magical oh yeah beautiful definitely has some of the best quick changes that i have ever seen in theater like it's it's the one with the shirelles always gets me every single time i know it's coming and i know it's happening and i'm always like i need to pay attention because i'm curious about how they do it but they walk on stage and i'm just like and, and well, that's what I mean. And that's literally one of the easiest ones I've ever seen. Because even like when I saw the show, I was like, wait a minute, I'm in it. And I still don't know how it works. Like, how are you doing that? And then, you know, and then the, like the little Eva one with like the button, when all of a sudden she's in a new dress. I was like, how yes. did that happen? Right? It's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. If I was playing her, that would be the one thing I'd have a heart attack about every single oh, yeah. one. I'm like, what if I don't get the button? Because a couple of times it didn't work. And then she's like, I got egg on my face and I'm on stage and my dress is half down. <laughs> But, you know, 99% of the time it works. Totally. <laughs> we actually had one of those in Jesus Christ Superstar, too. Sorry, I know I'm, di- I'm digressing. You probably have more things to talk about. Oh, no, no I want to hear this. Well, there was one where yeah. Paul Nolan, who was playing Jesus, was, uh, was you know, had to go from being in his, like, white Armani suit to, like, naked. <laughs> and what happened was he would, like – and I, maybe I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So he, like, basically – was right upstage and he had to be so specific like his toes were right on the lip of like a tiny little hole in the stage where a hand would come out and the suit was all attached together it was like breakaways and so there'd be this hand that came out and it would just went and suddenly he was naked everyone was like whoa it was so cool oh my god I love that I've never heard of that before that would be yeah it's like but when you know it then you look for the hand and also you see this creepy little hand come out it's like who's that guy that's so nerve-wracking you have to be in like the right spot or it's just a random hand like I know I know or like it half comes off like if it gets caught or something like that's the most that's the worst part sometimes too like I'd be backstage or I'd be in the middle of a quick change or whatever I'm like what do we do for a living like these people like well how do you tell your family if you're that guy you're like hey this is what I do eight times a week this hour in my paycheck I reach up and I disrobe Jesus (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's hilarious 
No, I think that's just, I think that's one of the best things about, you know, being an artist and being in the arts is because every time somebody asks you, you know, what are you doing for a living right now? There's a different answer every single time. Absolutely. Even like with the same person, it'll be like, oh, like last week I was doing this and this week I'm this person. And Mm -hmm. I just think, I don't know. I find it so fun always to ask people and be like, so who are you this week? (laughs) Yeah. And aren't we lucky? You know what I mean? It's like... I just feel incredibly lucky. Like I, I, I'm so glad I'm not sitting at an office. You know, I, not that that would be yeah. bad because I think there's lots of office jobs that are great, and I think having a balance is totally. amazing. But it's also good to be able to do, you know, really exciting and bizarre things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Embrace the bizarre. Yeah, like yes. <laughs> I run a theater company on the side and it's like, <laughs> I have that balance too. Yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, you know, what are you up to with Eclipse right now? And is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners to kind of like... Oh. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Well, we're about to launch um, a new sort of short film clip introducing our new artistic director, Andrew Seok, who I'm very, very excited to be working with. He's incredible. He's a wonderful filmmaker and composer. And so we, you know, we've really just been sort of taking the last six months and recalibrating and having some, you know, important conversations about how we want to proceed in the future and what stories we need to be telling. And so it's been exciting, you know, working with our board and working with him and trying to find like what our place in the world is. And and so, you know, I can't say too much right now. We've got our mentorship and training and, um, you know, program that we just launched. We've got that happening. And um, we've got a, a brand new um, New Works Festival that we're about to launch. So I can't tell you too much about that. But we, you know, one of our passions is um, new Canadian work and specifically new Canadian musical theater. So yeah, so Andrew and I have been really busy trying to figure out how best to support um, new artists and um, and the work coming out of this country. Perfect. Nice. And yeah, all of our listeners, if you're interested, you can find Eclipse Theatre Company on all of the social media. And just going off of that, being um, Canadian and still living in Canada, I haven't worked in like the US at all on theatre, but... I felt so fortunate to have seen you and Scott J. Campbell in Beautiful. And I was like, two Canadians in the big city on what people say, like the big stage. And I was like, wow, it's really dreams come true. It's possible. Mm-hmm. And just a big thank you for that. Cause oh, it's thank so you. It's true. It is. And it was a dream come true. And you know, it's so yeah. funny because sometimes those kinds of dreams happen in such a roundabout way. Like Josh Young and I always laugh because Josh Young, who played um, Judas in, in Jesus Christ Superstar and got the Tony nomination that year for it. And, you know, we always laughed because he's American and and, and everyone always asked him like, well, how did you dream that this would be the way that you would come to Broadway? And he was like, no, he's <laughs> like, I tried to get to Broadway for years, like being in the States <laughs> and an American. And it was only when I moved to Canada and went to the Stratford Festival Amazing. did I actually end up going to Broadway. And it was the same thing for me, although I'm not American, but I, you know, I spend a long time, you know, auditioning for shows on Broadway coming super, super close. And every time it was such a bitter disappointment. And then I was like, forget it. You know what? I'm just going to focus on my career and doing the best work that I know how to do. And then if it's meant to be, it'll, it is meant to be. And then, you know, after a few years at Shaw, a few years at Stratford, and then Bob's your uncle and Des Mackinoff comes in and is like, we're going to Broadway. You just never know how it's all going to work, you know? So it is a dream come true. And yeah. And it just goes to show that if you keep, you know, if you keep working hard and if you make it about the work and you don't focus so much on the prescriptive, you know, like this is where I want to end up, you just kind of like keep it in the back of your mind, but really focus on, you know, one step at a time and appreciating where you are now 
then, you know, things will fall into place the way that they're mm-hmm. meant to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic advice. Thank mm-hmm. you. And going off of what Chrissy said, you know, it's true. You are such an inspiration for like a whole generation of theater kids, especially those of us like in Canada who grew up kind of, you know, hearing about you at Stratford and Shaw and now seeing, you know, how far like you've come. It's just, it's really amazing to be able to sit here and chat with you today. So thank you for joining us genuinely. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, you know, one thing I forgot to mention, if you don't mind, because ah. uh, the one one thing that I have been working on as well is a, a new musical that I wrote with a, a guy called Eric Holmes in the States, and it's called Call It Love. And again, but in, like on the theme of what we were just talking about, you know, I was always so shy. I never played my music for anybody until Rick Fox. I don't know if you know Rick Fox, but he's the, he was a musical you know director here at Stratford for a long time. Um, he's a jazz musician in New York, incredible artist. And anyway, he was the musical director for a lot of big Broadway shows, including Jesus Christ Superstar. And one day he was like, come into my office and play me some of these tunes. And so I did. And then we like started this whole beautiful relationship of, you know, we we did an album together and now he's the orchestrator and arranger of my show. But if it wasn't for him, you know, like, I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, we lack a little bit of confidence if it's not something that we're used to doing. But, um, you know, all that to say is that, you know, I just want to like encourage fellow Canadian artists, you know, if you're not sure if you're a writer or if you're not sure whether you're like, do it anyway, like try to like put aside, you know, your, your fears and, and go for it. Cause I think that the world is ripe for our Canadian stories and, and the talent coming out of this country. And uh, so I just want to like send off an encouraging message to, you know, future writers out there, yeah. <laughs> and people who want to try it. I think it's important to have, you know, have tried it than to never have tried it at all. Like even if you fear a failure, just push through, do it anyway. Agreed. Yeah. Do it anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that being said, call it love. There is also a social media f- page for it, correct? Yes, okay. there is. Yeah. Perfect. We will make sure we tag it when we post everything up so that people can find you and learn more about it. Definitely. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing that. All right. And you know, that actually comes to an end of the questions that we had prepared. Is there anything else you would like to share with us or with anybody listening before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it. I think you've covered pretty much everything. All right. And what a note to end on. Do it anyway. Do it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that's what I always said. You know, somebody said that to me one time. They were like, you know, you don't have to want to go to the gym. Just go. You can go kicking and screaming the whole way. You can be like, I hate this. I hate going to the gym as long as you get there. Like, (laughs) it doesn't really matter, right? I love that. Just go, (laughs) you know, or get outside. Even if you don't want to go, just one foot in front of the other, you yeah. know, especially in these times, I think it's important to just do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then people are going to feel a lot better. I so agree with that. Yeah, Me definitely. Yeah. I try to tell myself that every day. You <laughs> were both such a delight. It was such oh. a wonderful time. I had such a great time talking to both Yay. of you. Thank you. We had well, such a great time with you as well. Thank yeah. you so, so much for joining us. Yeah. Like we said, oh, this my has been a dream come true since we yeah. started the podcast. We've always wanted to chat with you and thank you for being so lovely with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We just want to extend a super big thank you to our guests today and all of you at home listening. As always, I'm Jocelyn, and you can find me at Both Sides of the Curtain. And I'm Chrissy, and you can find me at Break a Leg. Also, we just want to say, if you have any shows that you would love for us to put into a little reunion episode with some cast members, let us know. We would love to do that. We would. And as always, our inboxes are always open. 
Let us know if you enjoyed the episode and let us know if there's anything else you'd love to see from us in the future. Stay safe and stay stagey. Take care.